Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. I have a load of free resources on my website to help you to become your calmest self. Head on over to karmayou.com forward slash free to grab those freebies now. Today's guest is the wonderful Zoe Blasky, who is the founder of Motherkind. She is a host of the Motherkind podcast and Zoe coaches mothers of all backgrounds from global CEOs to full-time mums on how to navigate the huge challenges of modern motherhood. This episode is for you if you are a parent, but also this 100% applies to anyone else who doesn't have kids yet or doesn't want kids at all because these themes are so universal and I don't have children but I love Zoe's work. Her work has helped me a lot myself. I love her Instagram and we get into all sorts of topics. We talk about not feeling good enough and and I can relate personally to so much of what Zoe shares in her story and her experiences. I feel like we've been on quite a similar path in many ways. We talk about perfectionism and Zoe shares about how she's not letting that hold her back anymore. I ask her this question, how are you really? She's really open and honest about that. And we even get into the incredibly juicy topic of healing intergenerational trauma, which I am just fascinated by this whole topic. It's about firstly not passing on our stuff onto our kids, but also ensuring that we can be the happiest and calmest versions of ourselves, that we can do this healing to let go of the things that we've taken on board from our parents. So hope you love this episode. Let's get into this week's podcast with Zoe Blasky. This episode is sponsored by my favourite activewear brand, Sweaty Betty. Their all-female design team source the best technical fabrics, which means their products perform under the toughest conditions and feel amazing on your skin. All products are also wearer trialled by female staff to ensure they perform and flatter and fit the female body. If the staff don't love it, it doesn't get made. There are so many activewear brands to shop from, but Sweaty Betty is special because all their products from run and yoga to swim and ski are engineered to last. This is not fast fashion, it's high quality. And I have several pieces from Sweaty Betty that I've had for years and I continue to wear and love. Sweaty Betty now has a host of sustainable products, including their Super Sculpt leggings made from post-consumer plastic bottles. Their Italian fleece has been replaced with a recycled cotton blend alternative and they are reducing the amount of consumer packaging sent to customers. Sweaty Betty are offering listeners 20% off when you enter the promo code KARMAYOU on their website. You'll also find the link in the show notes. So 20% off at Sweaty Betty when you enter to the code karma you that's c-a-l-m-e-r-y-o-u check out their stuff i think you're gonna love it welcome zoe thank you so much for joining me today how are you doing i'm okay thanks thanks for having me so you were on this podcast when i first started podcasting and i was a guest on yours um, I think when you first started. Yes, so we were like each other's early guests. Yes, <laughs> yes. So it feels really good to get to speak again and to, you know, catch up and, and see what, you know, you've you've learned and how things have changed for you since since we last spoke. But what one thing I, I quite often like to start my interviews off with is asking, how are you really? Yeah, um, in this moment, I feel really tired. 
I've got a three-month-old at home and I decided that I would carry on with just the podcast so my podcast and if I'm invited on podcasts like you invited me on yours I would carry on so it feels manageable but but um some days it's totally fine with the lack of sleep and I feel actually really good and energized and other days it isn't and it's one of those days today where it isn't and I feel I feel quite tired and I tried to meditate in the taxi on the way here because just doing 10 minutes meditation can sometimes really help just revive me but my mind was unsettled and it was noisy and so I couldn't do that so yeah I feel very tired and I also feel slightly I don't think anxious is the right word but I feel slightly concerned that my brain isn't going to be able to pull out and articulate what I'm trying to say on this on this chat so I feel slightly apprehensive is the right word Mm. about that because you know when you're tired my brain just doesn't function it can't it can't um see (laughs) it can't get the words that I need so yeah that's how I'm feeling really and I've always got to remember I think if you don't have kids it's hard to imagine how tired you must be when you're up every night like I didn't have a very good sleep no one without children is allowed to say yeah basically we're not allowed we're not allowed because I was thinking oh yeah I'm quite tired today like my boyfriend woke me up a bit in the night but actually yeah I don't I don't I can't really fathom how well, anyone Tiring, who's got children will know it's like it, 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 like exactly like pre kids. I'd have a you know an off night sleep, but then that night, the next night, I could just get a full night sleep again. I think it's the relentless nature of it, like night after night having broken sleep, and also it's not anything you know. Like if my husband used to wake me up before we had kids, I'd just go into the spare room. You can't like leave a baby and go, mm. and so it's it's like that. Um, Yes, your sleep is totally dependent on someone else. It's it's hard. It's really hard, actually, the lack of sleep. I was sharing about it on Instagram the other day. Just on, I needed to remind myself on just how um, the lack of sleep really affects my emotions, and it makes me feel really overwhelmed a lot more quickly than I would do normally. So I just have to keep reminding myself of that at the moment. And anyone else who's tired, I think it's really helpful to remember that. I notice that my anxiety kicks in a lot quicker and louder my critic I find harder to respond to in a kind way like everything just feels a bit harder on the inside do you find that absolutely yeah yeah everything's harder when you're tired and I I was reading through your Instagram before this interview and I saw that you posted about I can't remember exactly what it was but you were talking about how the brain reacts when we're tired and how we actually are more emotional and that that is a measurable thing how everything seems harder so the amygdala which is the part of the brain responsible for it's like our emotional control centre it gets 60% more active so basically we're loads more emotional when we're tired and then the prefrontal cortex which basically is the rational part of our brain um, that gets down regulated so you've basically got this dual effect of way more emotion and then less regulation of that emotion so So if I cry during this podcast you'll know why (laughs) yeah so interesting and I'm sure some people well lots of people listening will have kids other people may have insomnia and anxiety actually stops them from sleeping so obviously there's so many reasons why we we can't sleep and I hear a lot from people how it can become a bit of a vicious cycle sleep when we don't sleep because we're anxious then we're anxious the next day and then that means that Maybe we're more worried about how we're going to perform the next day at work. And it can be a real vicious cycle with sleep. So um, what do you what do you do when you're tired? How do you how do you manage those feelings or how do you take care of yourself on those days when you when you haven't slept well? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the first thing is I try to remember that, that there's a science as to why I I try to just remember that because that makes me be much, much kinder to myself. And when I feel out of sorts, I just think it's okay. It's because I'm tired. It's not because I'm a bad mum or because I'm, an, you know, I can't control my anxiety or my critic is right that I am rubbish. You know, I just re- try to create some space by remembering that there's a reason um, as to why I feel so tired. I, I always try to stay really hydrated because um, hydration really helps me. Um, and there's some science behind that as well. I know you talk about that. Um, when we're when we're really tired or anxious staying hydrated and I try to just slow down as much as I can so before recording this today I haven't done anything else and I actually went back to bed when my little girl she does a nap about 9am and I went back to bed with her and slept Mm. for an hour so I think it's just keeping it really simple 
when I'm tired, mm. um, trying to to take things out of the diary that don't need to be there. You know, I was sort of putting a bit of pressure on myself. I needed to reply some e- emails. And I thought, no, you know, I actually don't. I actually don't. It doesn't matter if I reply in a few days. So just trying to, yeah, be kind to myself when I'm tired, I find really helps. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to remember To It can seem as if everything else is so important, but actually your mental state and your how calm you're able to be, that affects everything. Uh, and taking the nap, taking a nap or taking, you know, a night off or going to bed early or whatever it is you need to do, I think that has to come first naturally. Yeah, and even after all these years of like recovery and healing and, you know, what I do now, I still find it really hard. Mm. I don't I don't know about you, but I still find it really hard to say actually no, I'm going to prioritize sleep right now or rest right now or I'm going to cancel that thing and and risk upsetting someone or feeling that they won't like me or it's still it still doesn't come naturally it's still a muscle that I have to keep working on um but I make that choice now even if my critic doesn't want me to make that choice you know we telling me um you know how dare you you've got so much to do you've got washing to do you know all the stuff that needs doing um but i i can i i know enough now that i can override that feeling and take the right action i don't have to listen to that first thought i can replace it with a more helpful second thought and then take a positive first action which is like a little practice that i do mm, love that can you share a bit more about your journey i suppose and how you got to where you are today um, because this wasn't always the case for you that you you were able to kind of look after yourself and you know to make that positive choice. Yeah, it absolutely wasn't. Throughout my sort of teens and twenties, I really had an abusive relationship with myself. I was was deeply unkind to myself. I always felt like there was something different about me. I wasn't enough as I was. Um, I was really badly bullied at school and I think I internalised a lot of those messages and made them my truth. I had, um, you know, my family has has lots of unresolved trauma, um, which I didn't know anything about. It's only through years of therapy that I've started to unpick all of that and work out its impact on me. So really what that meant is that I picked up some interesting life tools, um, which actually were quite helpful when I was 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 younger and trying to get through and muddle things out and but but actually as I became into adulthood I realized they were really unhelpful things like um not feeling my feelings things like putting how things looked over how things felt for me things like getting all my validation from outside of myself um I was really bad at saying no I really didn't know who I was I was I was quite a mess and in order to cope with my internal life and how miserable that was I sort of would use things like alcohol to numb I would party a lot I would date a lot I also used academia to numb so I would work like really hard I got first in a subject at uni which is just a miracle to me because I'm I'm terrible at maths I'm basically pretty dyslexic and I did economics and I managed wow. to get a first. But that just shows like how much I was able to abandon myself and just push through, push through, push through. So I was quite lucky because I had a big breakdown when I was 22. I didn't feel lucky at the time. Mm. I felt like I was going to die. But um, what was lucky about it is that I used that experience to get help. And I'm so grateful for that because that meant that the, the trajectory of my life from that point on radically changed. And I really learned about um, trauma and what it is. I learned about how to look after myself. I basically turned myself inside out and upside down and started started living from a completely different roadmap. Mm. And um, so I started doing some trainings, you know, in coaching and meditation. And I, I know we have lots in common of like, the, we're going on lots of workshops and I was always away at the weekend, but I was working in the city. So I had this like double life and I would never tell anyone in the city what I was doing at the weekends. If I was going on like a meditation retreat or a Kundalini yoga retreat or something, I would just say, oh, you know, they'd say, what did you do? And I'd say, oh, not much. Um, and then when I had my daughter four years ago, 
I a couple of things happened. I found myself on a teacher training, which was really a conscious pregnancy and parenthood teacher training, Kundalini training, and that changed my life. And then I had my daughter and I couldn't believe how hard it was being a mum. All of the tools and techniques that I'd been using up until that point, you know, my daily practices went out the window because they didn't fit now with having a child. And I, I looked for the conversation online. I looked for podcasts. I looked for forums. I looked for meetups. And there was just wasn't any conversation about the transition into motherhood and what that can do for how we feel about ourselves. A lot of past stuff was coming up for me that I hadn't hadn't come up before. Um, yeah, so one of our mutual friends, Lucy Sheridan, um, who's known as the comparison coach, she said to me, I think you need to create this thing that you need. And I said, no way, like, I don't want to do that. I, you know, that's not me. I don't want to. And she said, I really think if you need it, there's going to be other people that need it. And that that became mother kind. It became like I just did it for me. And um, yeah, it turns out other people did feel the same. And now lots it's of other and, people. Yeah, lots of other people. And that, <laughs> I, I, I am, but um, it's funny to say, isn't it, that it's done quite well, but it has mm, done quite well. Mm, it's amazing. Yeah, I was stalking your Instagram, as I said earlier, and just the comments from people and the, the massive response that you have to it's so amazing. sharing like, a story. Every day and, I get messages from people saying that it's changed their life. And um, sometimes I don't take enough time to really integrate that message into my reality because I'm quite an achiever. I, I'm a recovering achiever and a recovering mm -hmm. workaholic. So for me, it's really hard to not just think on to the next thing. How do I reach more people? How do I make it bigger? How do I, you know, I really, it's a practice for me where I have to actually get those messages because I'm so grateful I get a lot of saying those really amazing things and I actually want to start getting much better at sitting with it and almost taking that message into my heart and slowing down because um, I am really ambitious and that's a good thing like I think I've got an important message to share but equally I need to get better at integrating as you say like the impact that it's having mm. and and even that in itself is something that so many people experience and it's almost the common theme of modern life of it's never enough. You need to keep wanting more, more money, more success, more fame, more belongings, yeah, more so whatever. True. Like if someone would have said to me, you'd have this podcast and all these like amazing brands would be working with you and you would impact all these people. And I would have thought that was an absolute dream. And yet here I am living that dream and I'm incredibly grateful for it. But as you say, I think you're right. We 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 live in a society which perpetually tells us we need something more than we've got to be okay. And I call it the when-then game. Like, when I get this, then I'll feel happy. Mm. When I get that promotion, then I'll feel happy. When I get that bigger house, then I'll feel happy. And, you know, I for me, it's a daily thing that I just take, keep having to remind myself. You could have a million followers on Instagram and a number one podcast, and I don't think I'd actually feel any different you know if I can't appreciate it as I've got it now it's not I'm not going to appreciate it then so I, it's it's a I have to keep reminding myself of that and a lot of the things that you speak about is around not feeling good enough and this being really at the root of so many of our issues and I found from my own life and from the majority of my clients I would say if not every client or every yeah. person that I meet will have this sense of not feeling good enough in some area of their lives in some way and and it causes so much damage and yet it seems to be almost a universal yeah. human thing it's like an epidemic isn't it mm. same like everyone I've ever worked with you know after a few sessions I'm a coach too like I peel peel it back and you always get to that don't feel good enough and that was that was my experience I didn't I just didn't feel I didn't feel safe being me I didn't feel enough being me so so that's when we have this adapted child idea which is a therapeutic idea but I use it in coaching which is where when we don't feel good enough we then adapt in some way in order to get that feeling of being good enough so for me it really played out in in workalism and um, achievement for other people it can you know there's myriad ways that we can adapt in order to get that love like that's what mm. people pleasing is yeah 
I was just thinking about my own life. I was thinking being good and being nice and not being too much trouble you know, that all make sure that was your adaptation, yeah. and yeah. we all have different adaptations. Mm. Um, mm. I really abandoned myself because I didn't feel good enough, and I, into yeah, this achievement thing as I've talked about, but also really just um, abandoning myself in friendships. Like I would stay in friendships that people basically bullied me. I would stay friends with them. It's really sad. Mm. Like I, I really have to, you know, I. I like to talk about inner child work as well and you know I really have to speak to that small that girl who was eight or nine you know who kept going back to the to the people that were bullying me because I was just so desperate for that love and validation I didn't feel enough on my own um and I, and I, I really see this everywhere I go I think it's I think most people are running some sort of adaptation and that's what my journey's been really is peeling back the layers of those coping tools and those adaptations to who I am really and can I be okay with that, mm. just as I am, without having to say yes when I mean no or, you know, take some work because I'm afraid that no one there's going to be no more work again if I don't take that job or, you know, all those sorts of things, mm. the, the scarcity of mm. Mm. Um, that I can, get, I can get stuck in. So, yeah, I think it's an epidemic and it's so interesting as to where it comes from as well. Yeah, where, I, I always want someone to <laughs> tell me. I thought Nikki Clinch might know the answer, but I don't think. Well, if she doesn't, there's know, a succinct answer. Know. It's like why? Why is it the human condition? Is it? A, it's a spiritual reason that we don't feel good enough, or is it modern society that is creating this? Well, my my passion and my interest really, and a growing interest. Like Motherkind didn't start, and I didn't start with this passion and interest. Is really generational. Like I've come to be incredibly interested and passionate about how unconscious parenting, not bad parenting, unconscious parenting, the impact that that has on the child, who then, if they don't grow conscious, they then unconsciously parent, and you get this cycle. And I've tracked it back in my family about seven generations of like... And by unconscious, I mean having no awareness of this, the behaviour that we're doing in order to to get the love that we need. Um, So in my family, there's lots of addiction because there's lots of trauma. So, um, yeah, I I actually think this, this not feeling good enough, not that it all comes from parents, but I think a big part of it comes from how we're parented Mm. and I know it's totally unconscious like I had amazing parents but they really they really um valued achievement so I'd be really praised when I did well so I got the message subconsciously my subconscious thought hmm so if I'm really good and loved when I'm doing well but I can't do well all the time because I'm a human Mm. I must not be okay The other thing that's really fascinating about children is that up to the age of about seven, they operate on a different brainwave. Do you know this? Yeah, Yeah. because through hypnotherapy, we kind of try and get back into that brainwave state. It's almost like a download mode. So so children operate in the same brainwave that you're getting people into when when you work with them until they're seven. So those beliefs basically get locked into our brains. The great news is, we have neuroplastic brains, so we can change them. But if we're not aware that we're running those unconscious beliefs of I'm not enough, so if we never challenge our own behaviour or realise that we are, maybe there's a core part of us that's different than, than how we might be presenting, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, that that is how we live our lives. It's like totally unconscious to these beliefs that we had so so that's one thing that I think is fascinating and I'm sure has an impact on this um and the other thing which has actually totally just fallen out of my mind which is my tiredness <laughs> but but we I can think- we can talk a bit more about the intergenerational yes. thing I think because that's fascinating to me and I'm on the same page as you I think that's become such a big focus of my own work on myself has but it? with my clients as well and um, and just this idea that think this not good enoughness gets handed down. I can see my granny gave it to my mom. My mom gave it to me. My great granny gave it to my granny. Yeah, same. Have you done a onwards, genogram? 
I haven't. What's that? What's that? It's basically a fancy name for a family tree, but instead of mapping, it's from family therapy, but instead of mapping, you know, that was that person's uncle, brother, you you map out where there's pain or trauma or beliefs and you, and I've done it and it's absolutely mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah, so I've got it on one sheet of paper. Mm. I can see... Mm all the trauma and pain and dysfunction that's been running across my family, you know, my dad's side and my mum's side, for generations. Yeah, it's very powerful. Because really what, what that gives me is a huge sense of compassion for myself. That's where it started for me. I thought, why am I this way? Mm. You know, mm. and then when I look, I go, wow, I, didn't, I couldn't have been any other way, really. So I don't need to beat myself up. Mm. And then, and then what it gives me is huge compassion for my for my parents. Thank God they were doing such an amazing job, given they were carrying all that trauma and they didn't have the opportunity to do the the healing work that I have. Sometimes I think, you know, now I'm a mum of two myself. I think, God, my mum did amazingly, knowing how she felt on the inside. Now I know a bit more about how she felt on the inside. You know. Um, it was a miracle. So so it took away instantly. It's an instant way to remove that blame and that resentment and that anger. It really worked for me, just mm. bathing it all in compassion and just seeing this isn't really anyone's fault. There's a lot of pain here and everyone was just coping with that pain, which is what addiction is. It's coping with mm. co- a coping tool for pain and trauma. So yeah, it was it's been it's been a few years that I've been into it personally and then people started asking me about it more professionally and so I think it's going to be something that I'm going to do a lot more on. Um, yeah. This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Therapy has massively helped me in the past to make sense of my thoughts and process my emotions. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counselling that's done securely online. This service is available for clients worldwide and BetterHelp matches you with a counsellor based on what it is that you want to work on and their expertise. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And BetterHelp are doing a special offer for Karma You listeners. You get 10% off your first month. When you visit, try BetterHelp. That's better, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash karma you that url again try betterhelp.com forward slash karma you to get 10 percent off your first month's online counseling yeah i'm just thinking about that 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 reminder i suppose to people listening that it's not about blaming people but it it can be about recognizing there's responsibility um without blame and um, I think, yeah, there can be so much compassion that can come from realising it's not it's not your fault the way you are, the way you yeah. are, you know, your pain or your anxiety or your... I always say it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm. So it's mm. not my fault mm. that I got given, you know, a set of circumstances which, which meant that I had some pain to deal with and I mm. created a lot of that pain myself, you know. Um, but it's my responsibility to look at it. Yeah, and a big and a really easy way to avoid taking responsibility is to blame others. Mm. The easiest way that we get to not work on ourselves is to point the finger outwards. Would that be like blaming our parents for for blaming how our we parents, are? Yeah, mm. yeah, because you're not mm. taking any responsibility. Mm. Mm. So it's not your fault that you might be anxious or, or as you say, like anything that you're struggling with. But but I think it's really important that we think okay what am I going to do about it now I've got a choice and I I do sort of believe that we always have a choice um, whether to take that really brave step and start to look at it and I think it is really brave um, or just to to, to carry on as we were blaming others it's it's I love I love that idea of remembering that we have a choice because it's so much more empowering and I know I've got myself into cycles of thinking where I'm blaming other people or I'm thinking I'm just stuck this way there's nothing I can do and like that's very disempowering and that in itself will stop us from changing if we hold that belief that we don't have a choice about 
how we how we are how we respond to things yeah and i always remember that for myself like yeah sure be can i swear yes be pissed off at guy my husband but know that you're choosing to fine zoe do it it's not Mm. gonna make it's not it's just gonna make things worse but you know sometimes i sort of really enjoy it (laughs) i really enjoy the resentment and a bit of blame so i'll be like okay you you go there that's cool but know that nothing's good gonna come of this Mm. and and you're choosing this Mm. Mm. it doesn't feel as good anymore (laughs) because i'm like oh i know how to get out of it um and i think that's a massive one is blaming our partners you know they don't do this they don't do that they don't do you know instead of thinking what is it that that person is triggering in me it's hard to do but it's as you say it's the most empowering thing because mm. then we're not a victim mm. of our circumstance we're not a victim of what someone else is doing to me we actually get to say okay well that really triggered me what is it in me that that triggered and that's how we start doing this sort of the 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 healing work Mm. the generational work Mm. really because a lot of those triggers will come from our experience of childhood first seven years yeah that's making so much sense to me because i my my firstly my partner just trained in nlp neuro-linguistic programming and so he sometimes an argument says to me why are you choosing to be angry and nothing will make you angrier And then I reflect on it later and I'm like, yeah, no, that is true, but that's annoying. That is annoying. Um, (laughs) And I think it is a like, it is the most, relationships can become the most healing thing if we can recognise that when we're getting triggered, this is something that we can learn from. This is not just there being a dickhead. This is your pain coming up to be healed. And if we can recognise that then. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's such like a... I think anyone listening to this podcast or anyone doing any type of this work is just, you know, gets my hugest admiration because I know I know how easy it is in some ways to stay there. It's their fault. And I know how hard it is to think, actually, no, this is this is something in me that's being triggered. And I loved what you said there about, you know, we can't heal something. We can't change what we're not aware of. So when I had my daughter, you know, all this stuff came up and my first reaction was like, oh, for God's sake, I've been 10 years on this, you know, like therapy, meditation, coaching, you know, and it has been amazing. But I was like, oh, God, you know, as a whole other layer got revealed to me. But actually the the wiser thought and the higher thought, which I then grabbed was, no, this is being shown to me because I have to heal it for my daughter. Because if I don't heal it, I know it will unconsciously get passed to her because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. So I think that isn't talked about in motherhood circles, how often in those early years all your stuff gets shown to you. I think that's why drinking amongst mums is such a thing. Um, I'm seeing that more and more because it's really hard because you're sleep deprived and you've got a little person to look after and all your stuff's coming up. It's like this perfect storm going on. That's why mm-hmm. I, that's why I started what I did because I thought someone we need to talk about this and there needs to be some support out there. And it's mass- massive work, I think. And actually, I I probably said this the last two years ago when I last spoke to you um, when you came on the podcast. But yeah, I've got fears about passing on my bullshit Mm. onto my kids and actually your work gives me a lot of hope and Mm. I do feel very encouraged by the message that you share so well I nearly didn't have kids because of that Mm. and we went to see this amazing couple therapist because my husband was desperate for children like he's this like unicorn guy who's been broody since he was 12 and he is like the best dad I have to say he's he is incredible so the moment we got married he was like right let's have children and I honestly like I wasn't expecting this of myself the freak out was really monumental um so we went into couples therapy to talk about it and I said to the therapist I'm not healed enough I was sobbing I'm not healed enough like I'm so codependent still and um you know I can tell there's so much trauma in me that I still haven't addressed and and she said to me she said if you wait until you feel perfectly healed to have children you'll never have them she said, you will fuck up your kids because that is, you will. You'll do something, you'll say something. She said, "I'm." she's this amazing therapist. I won't say who, but she's incredible. And um, she said, 
uh, I've been a therapist 20 years and, and my children are both in therapy. They, she had older children. She said, but the difference is, is that they knew how and where to get help. So that's what, that's mm. what makes me mm. feel really confident today is that I talked to Jessie. She's my four-year-old all the time. Mummy's going to Al-Anon, which is a 12-step group that I go to. Mummy's going to therapy. Mummy's going to yoga because it's good for her mind. Mummy's doing this. Mummy's doing this. And I talk about imposter. I talk about critic. I talk, I talk openly to her about all this stuff so that when it inevitably, you know, she has hardships or she develops a tricky relationship with herself, hopefully she will know, she will be able to put some words to the experience. Like, I don't know about you, but I'd never heard the word anxiety before. I don't think till I got mm. to like uni. Mm. Had you like my parents just didn't didn't talk about anything to do with mental health, so I had no idea of how to what these thoughts and feelings were that I was having. I thought I was like, yeah, it, it was so so. That in one way is a massive way that I'm healing the generational stuff, not by but trying to be perfect or perfectly healed because I don't think that exists, but by talking about it. Mm. Um, mm. And I'll talk about the trauma in our family at an age-appropriate way when when we get there. Whereas for me, it was all hidden under the carpet. I didn't know anything about it. Yes. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I definitely relate to a lot of what you're saying there. And just thinking about it, I think if I'd been able to have more open conversations, I think with my parents growing up, instead of things getting swept under the carpet or not discussed, so it became a shameful thing. Um, then I think things would have been different. I think just being able to have that conversation with your kids from an early age must be... Yeah. Makes such but a I, difference. But I have so much compassion for, you know, because that, that is a real thing that I hear a lot, like mm. things were just swept under the carpet. But what I now know is that if you don't have a relationship with yourself or you haven't done some work on yourself where you have where you have the language and the ability to hold space, i.e. to talk about those tricky things, it's really hard to do that. I totally get why my parents just swept the hard things mm. under the carpet because they were a bit disconnected from their own feelings. So it was pretty, it would have been a really big stretch for them to have been able to hold space for mine with some big things. Kind of impossible, actually. Yeah. Because we yeah. can't give what we don't have. Um, so I think the best thing that, you know, I often say parents and non-parents is really just working on ourselves, looking after ourselves, you know, doing this inquiry work, because then when the time comes, I think we'll have a really different response. If I know you'll have a different response. Um, and that's that's breaking that chain. Mm. So important. You, you kind of touched on this idea of um, perfectionism, kind of when I'm perfect, then I'll do this. Uh, I've seen that to be such a massive part of people's anxiety. Um, what's been your experience of that in your own life and also with people that you work with? Mm, I mean, I was a massive perfectionist. That was one of my coping tools for masking the fact that I didn't feel enough. Because when we don't feel enough, we have to compensate in some way. Some people go the other way, actually, and become totally under-responsible and rebellious and just say effort to life. I, I went the other way um, and I know you did too which is which is this idea of um, I'm just going to try and be perfect I'm just going to try and wear a mask and smile all the time and not let anyone know my true feelings I'm going to just be a good girl and a good the good girl adaptation is very 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 prevalent um, amongst our generation of women so um, yeah and it was all masking the fact that I just didn't feel I just didn't feel good enough. So I felt this need to seem and act perfect. And I was incredibly hard on myself. So like I would, you know, if I got a B, that wouldn't be okay for myself. Like I would beat myself up about that. Or if I made a mistake, um, I would really beat myself up about that. I have an incredibly loud critic. The volume has really turned down on it since I've been doing this work. And I've got a really kind voice that comes in first actually now but before then when I was living in my perfectionism my critic was on me you know you're not good enough nothing you do is good enough um, and the, the the problem with living like that is it's sort of like living on a hamster wheel and, and there's no break I never let myself celebrate any achievements ever it was always like 
onto the next, onto the next. And I really did believe, like that when-then game that I said, I think I really did believe that if I could tick these outside boxes, it would make me feel better on the inside. Like that was one of the wonky ideas that I got from my childhood was that if you can get things on the outside, you know, like a good degree and a good job and a nice husband and a good house, then that's going to make you feel good on the inside. Um, and one of the worst days of my life, not actually, yeah, it was because it was quite a profound moment for me is when I got that first at uni and um, I got like the highest score in the year or something. And why it was so profound for me is because I felt no different. And I think that was like the first chink where I thought, shit, like I've I've been gunning for this thing because I thought it would make me feel good enough that if I could get this first. I mean, it's so ridiculous thinking back on it. But I thought that if I could get that, it would make me feel worthy. And I got it and I felt no different. But that was quite a good, quite a good lesson to learn at 21. I would have been then, a year before my breakdown. Um, because now I really know that actually a bigger house and a bigger business and it won't change how I feel on the inside. It's an inside, it's an inside job. And that's really what perfectionism is. Mm. My recovery from perfectionism is, is coming to see that I'm good enough. Just as I am, I don't need to achieve anything or I can just be me and that's okay. And that's a life's work really. Mm, so so interesting to have that realisation to to achieve a goal and actually think, oh, it's not how I expected it to be. It's not delivering on the promise of... I wonder if that's... I often wonder, good to get your view on this, um, if what, that's why so many famous people, when they reach the heights of fame, then seem to unravel. Because I, mm. because I can only equate that, you know, that desire that I had to get that thing to feel okay. And I got it and it did not make me feel okay. I can really see how if I'd have had any talent in, you know, in any field that could have made me that famous, mm. um, yeah, I would have got there and think, God, I feel no different. Interesting. I, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Russell Brand. It was Russell Brand and someone else. But he was talking about how when you're famous, you you get very dependent on the praise of other people. And then the flip side of that is that when you get criticism, your your self-esteem is hung on the praise and criticism of other people. And um, you kind of let that get to you too much. And then it means that you're very fragile kind of underneath. You're not maybe building up this sense of worth that comes from just being you, not achieving something or being liked by people or winning awards. I think awards. that's the problem, isn't it? Is when, is when the insides, like when I didn't feel good enough on the outside on the inside as you say it becomes a bit of a roller coaster because <laughs> you might get some praise one day and, and feel a bit high about that but then the next day you might get criticized or you might not get any praise so I think the way really my life goal now is to is to have that peace of mind and serenity is a word that I talk about um, which is really that I feel okay regardless of what's going on outside of me which is like the ultimate that's really what I'm, you know, I'm so far from there. But that's what I'm going for. Because because I can just, I've had tastes of it, mm. of that peace, where actually it doesn't matter because I feel, I feel okay on the inside. I'm okay with who I am and I love myself enough that, that things can happen outside of me and not totally rock me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for, for sure. <laughs> It'll be a life's work. It's what they talk about in uh, the Vedas and, you know, Buddha, I'm sure, was uh, experiencing that. I talked about that, how, you know, if you're at peace with yourself inside, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. You yeah. can still be peaceful. Yeah, Definitely. Sure. Goals. Definitely goals. Yeah. <laughs> Except so it shouldn't be a goal. So far away. Yeah. I don't <laughs> but don't make can, it a goal. You can't have a, can you have a golf in a piece? I think that's like... <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Yeah, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just, I'm just really thinking about all the depression that is present in our society and for so many people when you kind of get down to it depression is not feeling good enough or feel like a failure this sort of thing is I just can't help but think that like the way our society is structured I know I don't mean to blame like society but quote-unquote society but 
the whole of, I don't know, advertising, for example, about how we need to buy stuff or have stuff to to be okay and how damaging that is to our just mental well-being and how, you know, thousands of years ago, we all had nothing and we were probably a lot happier and we were all kind of, yeah, not that I want to go back to that, but it is just interesting to think about the pressures that we're that we're under that create and it starts really young like mm-hmm. what i find so fascinating like having done some of this work and then becoming a mum like the focus on milestones i'm like wow this is really interesting like this is setting up that you have to hit this point at this age really young and it's like well hang on every individual i believe every individual is totally different like some people might hit that speaking, some children might hit that speaking milestone way earlier or way later, but we, but already in the system, and if, if parents will know this, um, that's it's very like this is where it is, and then, you know, I I'm also recovering, not surprisingly, from from constantly comparing myself because my esteem was so low, and when I had Jessie, one of the first thing they did was map her on this. Um, her weight and height on this chart which was like a basically comparing her again that's how they work it out comparing her against all the other babies that had been born I just thought wow this stuff starts it's really insidious and it starts really early actually Mm. this like Mm. you're not you're not you you're not enough just as you are and then of course we get into schooling and I won't go on to a rant about schooling but I could Um, but we get into school you know which is which is we have we're all we're all expected to learn the same stuff in the same way sat down for like 6 to 8 hours from a really young age it doesn't work for creative people or people who think in a different way or people who bring other skills and talents to the to the to the to the world you know but we measure everyone on this academic performance through our school system and then we wonder you know why people have to go into therapy and coaching and see people like you and I to peel back all this stuff to work out who they really are before all of that crap laid on them. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, yes. I could go on. Becoming a mum is is just amazing. It's amazing in terms of like when you when you start to look at it with a different lens. Mm. It's interesting. I don't know what we're going to do about school. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you share any? Are there any kind of practical tools that people can be doing or practicing at home right now in order to help with some of the things that you've been dis- describing yes so i think with the not feeling enough i think the first thing is always awareness so because we can't change what we're not aware of so i would always say start with just noticing where you are doing something that feels out of a line with what you really want to do. So just start to notice that because chances are that's when you're feeling you're starting to get in your to your perfectionist self. Or like for me, it'll be when some people are coming round and my perfectionist will start to say the house is too messy or the the meal isn't good enough or I just start to notice. That's my first tip is just just notice that thinking going on and and if you want gold star jot it down in a journal and write about it because I think that's super powerful because you're starting to create then some distance the second thing I would say is um, become aware of that critic I know you talk about this a lot become aware of that that critic and see if you could replace it with a kinder thought and if that feels like too much of a stretch think about what you'd say to a good friend in the same situation so like with the messy house, like you'd say to a friend, what are you talking about? I'm here to see you. Like I don't care what your house looks like. So could you say that to yourself? Um, and then my third tip would probably be about um, journaling, actually, which I know you're a huge fan of as well. But I think it's just so powerful to be able to anything that we can do that creates distance between our thinking which is conditioned as we've been talking about and our reality anything that we can do to create distance between those two is going to be helpful so that's what meditation is but journaling I think is a lot more accessible so starting to write down you know your thoughts and feelings and really look at them and think is that true like is that really true 
and this is when those chinks will start to come in and that can be quite a scary place actually because that's when you think oh my god like I actually am not these thoughts that I've been having about myself I could be someone else like I could be someone who is you know okay with who I am that can be really scary as well as liberating mm-hmm. so yeah those are probably like three three things where I suggest can make a really big difference Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you gained a lot from this episode. Come on over to Instagram Ah, and let me know. This has been such a good conversation. Thank you so much for everything you've you've shared. Can you tell us where people can find out more about you and what you do and about your podcast? Yeah, so my podcast is called Malakind. You can find it on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Let them know. It's called Malakind, but lots of non mums and dads and non dads listen. Loads of love. Um, so, so do check it out if, even if you're thinking oh, well, I'm not a mum it's not for me check it out anyway and then if you don't like it that's fine <laughs> but check it out anyway um, my website is motherkind.co and um, everything is on there about me and yeah Instagram I love Instagram I chat on there quite a lot I reply to DMs um, so that is motherkind underscore Zoe amazing and yeah definitely check out Zoe's podcast I I'm not a mum, but I find it really helpful. And yeah, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. And oh, thank you. Um, keep going. We need no. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.